Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday. I'm Michael Novogratik bringing you the Novogratik Report on Tax Credits, a weekly podcast on current events and issues in the fields of affordable housing, community development, and renewable energy. Today is Tuesday, October 28, 2008. This week, we'll take a more in-depth look at the sixth round of New Markets Tax Credit Allocation Awards we discussed last week. We will also review a list of some tax and accounting items that all LIHTC, long Housing Tax Credit, developers should be considering as the end of the year approaches. But first, we have a couple of breaking news items. Discussion among members of Congress continues about the likelihood of another economic stimulus package. The size of the package being discussed could be between $100 billion and $300 billion. The idea got further momentum when Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke expressed his support for an economic stimulus package. Furthermore, Chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Charlie Rango, will hold a hearing tomorrow, Wednesday, October 29th, on economic recovery, job creation, and investment in America. This hearing could serve as an indicator of the role tax benefits will play in an economic stimulus package. Several tax credit proposals are being put forth. The New Market Tax Credit Coalition has said that an economic stimulus package should include additional NMTC allocation. More specifically, an additional $1 billion for those qualifying CDE applicants this last round that did not receive an award, plus an additional $1.5 billion for the next round. Similarly, the Affordable Housing Tax Credit Coalition, along with several other LIHTC national organizations, is reviewing a variety of proposals for inclusion in an economic stimulus package. The proposals are being vetted based upon their ability to increase the size of the tax credit equity market and make existing transactions more financially feasible. Last week, the Affordable Housing Tax Credit Coalition also released a copy of a letter it had sent to the Treasury Department and to members of Congress earlier in the month. In the letter, the coalition discourages the treatment of low-income housing tax credits as troubled assets under the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of 2008. The letter came as a response to an exchange between Senators Benjamin Cardin of Maryland and Christopher Dodd of Connecticut. During that October 1st exchange, Senator Cardin asked Senator Dodd if he believed that his amendment to the legislation gives the federal government authority under the Troubled Asset Relief Program, or TARP, to purchase existing LHTC investments from the holders of those investments. Dodd responded that he did, in fact, interpret that language as allowing such purchases if they were necessary to maintain liquidity in the LHTC market. In the letter sent on October 10th, the Affordable Tax Credit Coalition opposed this treatment for LHTCs, asserting that while the investment market for low-income housing tax credits is currently suffering a severe liquidity crisis, the program itself continues to work as Congress intended. And moreover, the letter contends that the properties that have benefited from the LIHTC program continue to be stable real estate assets. Copies of the letter from AHTCC on this subject can be found online at www.taxcreditcoalition.org and www.taxcredithousing.com. The letter reflects a sensitivity in the LHTC market today. The assets themselves, once leased up and after permanent funding closing, have been remarkably stable and there's no desire to have existing LIHTC assets tagged as troubled assets. However, transactions with recent tax credit allocation awards are suffering from a severe liquidity crisis in the tax credit market and in the general credit market. As explained above, the HTCC is looking to a potential economic stimulus package as one source of relief from this liquidity crisis. As you can see, LIHTC professionals are continually working to support the housing tax credit as an integral part of the nation's housing strategy. In that same vein, my partner, Mike Morrison, has formed an LIHTC working group. The LIHTC working group will work with the IRS and other agencies to solicit and provide guidance as well as to address other industry concerns. For more information on the working group, 
please contact Mike Morrison at mike.morrison, M-O-R-R-I-S-O-N, at novaco.com, or you can call him at 415-356-8025. In other breaking news, we have an announcement about the Ohio State Historic Tax Credit. On October 16th, Ohio's Lieutenant Governor Lee Fisher announced 48 tax credit awards under the state's Historic Preservation Tax Credit Program. The tax credit awards are part of a $1.5 billion bipartisan job stimulus plan. As part of that plan, $120 million was set aside for historic tax credit awards. Of the $120 million that's available, $90 million was allocated for applicants who were eligible but not awarded tax credits in the program's first round in the spring of this year. Listeners may recall from previous podcasts that the program was greatly oversubscribed in its initial funding round. The Ohio Historic Preservation Tax Credit Program provides recipients with tax credits that are equal to 25% of qualified rehabilitation expenditures. Of the 48 recipients announced earlier this month, 22 were awarded credits for fiscal year 2010, and 26 were awarded tax credits for fiscal year 2011. The recipients were awarded more than $77 million in tax credits, which is expected to leverage more than $464 million in investments. At Novogratz and Company, our expertise with tax credits makes us uniquely suited to provide a wide range of professional services related to state historic tax credit transactions. If you'd like to speak with one of my partners about how our firm can assist you with your next historic tax credit investment or development, please contact Rob Tessman in our San Francisco office, Charlie Ruda in our Boston office, Tom Boshin in our Cleveland, Ohio location, Dan Smith in the firm's Dover office, or George Littlejohn in our Austin office. Contact information for all of our offices can be found online at www.novaco.com. Now let's turn to our detailed look at last week's NMTC allocation announcement. As we reported last week, the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund, CDFI Fund, announced on October 20th the names of 70 organizations that were selected to receive $3.5 billion in tax credit allocation authority, which makes up the sixth round of the New Market Tax Credit Program. In this round, 239 Community Development Entities, or CDEs, applied for allocations, and they requested a total of $21.3 billion in allocation authority. 70 CDEs, or 29% of the total applicant pool, were provided with allocation awards. The average allocation award amount was $50 million, and allocation awards ranged in size from $6.25 million on the low side to a high of $112 million. The median allocation award amount was $45 million. On October 22nd, the New Market Tax Credit Coalition released an analysis of the sixth round of NMTC allocations that examines aspects of the awards such as demand, geographic distribution, and financing activity. The report also compares this round of allocations against previous year's awards. The coalition's findings reveal that compared with previous rounds, the average and median allocation award amounts decreased this year to $50 million and $45 million respectively. In addition, for the first time since round one, more allocations were made to mission-driven CDEs than to for-profit CDEs, and a greater number of allocations were made to public CDEs than ever before. The report also shows that the non-metro provision in the 2006 tax extender legislation resulted in CDEs' commitments to invest in non-metropolitan areas for a total of $717 million, or 20.5% of the $3.5 billion available. This represents the greatest percentage committed to serving rural communities in the program's history. In addition, the coalition reports that there was a high success rate for mission-driven, not-for-profit organizations, as mentioned previously, and CDFIs. In this round, 40% of not-for-profit organizations and 51% of community development financial institutions applying for allocations were successful.
There were 15 new allocatees this year, and CDE's headquartered in New Hampshire, Montana, were first-time allocation recipients. In terms of investment activities, the coalition's analysis reveals that 38 CDEs will focus on real estate activity, while the other 32 CDEs have indicated their predominant financing activity will be investing in businesses. A link to the NNTC Coalition's analysis can be found online at www.newmarketscredits.com by clicking on Reports and Research in the Resources menu. Now let's turn to our final topic today and consider what affordable housing developers should be doing to prepare for the end of the year. As we approach the end of 2008, there are several tax and accounting matters that LIHTC developers should be aware of. These issues range from the perennial reminders that are common to most LIHTC transactions to specific concerns that may arise as a result of policy changes or the recent changes in this year's financial landscape. For example, have you double-checked the tenant compliance and lease of status for each property? This is something you should be doing every year. Another common issue to consider is whether your LIHTC project received its Forms 8609 this year. If so, you have to be sure to complete Part 2 of the forms, and all completed 8609 forms should be sent to the IRS offices in Philadelphia. For properties that are entering year 13, cash basis developers need to consider if any income recognition issues are going to be arising that are going to cause them to recognize phantom income. There are also several issues that are more specific to the current events and financial climate, which developers should consider before the close of the year. For instance, with the disruption in the financial markets, specifically bank mergers and failures, developers might want to consider their ability to obtain from these banks timely audit confirmations of cash, reserve, and debt balances. Receipt of these may prove difficult and may delay issuance of their audits. Affordable housing developers should also consider any changes in regulations or policies that might affect their property. One example that does apply to multifamily properties that are subject to the Consolidated Audit Guide for Audits of HUD programs is the major revision that occurred this year to the Audit Guide. Chapter 4 was redesignated as Chapter 3, which is of only administrative note, but more importantly, it has greatly expanded the size and scope of sampling for certain areas of compliance. Developers and property managers should plan their staffing to accommodate this higher level of testing. On the basic accounting or bookkeeping front, developers should be sure that all the adjusting journal entries from the prior year have been booked to make this year's audit run a little bit more smoothly. These are just a few examples of issues that developers should consider at this important time of the year. We will provide a complete checklist of these issues and more in the Journal of Tax Credit Housing. If you have questions in the meantime, please don't hesitate to contact me or my colleagues by emailing cpas at novaco.com or by calling 415 356 Well, that brings us to the end of this week's report. Please join us again next Tuesday when we will discuss the outcome of Chairman Rangel's economic stimulus hearing and what it means for the likelihood of tax provisions being included in such a package if it occurs. We'll also profile the recently announced winners of the Novogratic Community Development Foundation's awards for excellence in the NMTC program. This is Michael Novogratic, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.